But you introduced yourself to my family by sending my oldest daughter a piece of direct mail. You want to kind of enlighten us? The direct mail? Direct What's mail? that? I thought direct mail was dead. Wait a minute. <laughs> this is radical. Well, it is. It's, it, direct mail is absolutely dead. That should be the first headline in <laughs> this broadcast. Welcome to the Innovative Founder. The show where entrepreneurs get real. real. These are the raw, the gut-wrenching, often hilarious, sometimes shocking, and definitely entertaining stories of innovative business founders who are making their beautiful dent in the world. No BS, no posturing, and no narcissists allowed. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the unscripted adventures on today's episode. Now, here's your hairless hosts, Bob Regneris and Brandon Boyd. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show today. Brandon here. And Bob. How's everybody? Here we are, excited for our our next uh, guest here today. But before that, I know everyone is always interested in the Bob and Brandon update. So... I'm going to lead off with, we had a phenomenal conversation yesterday with some other business partners in a business that we work with in. And talk about synchronicity. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of predictable, there's a lot of mapping and blueprinting of businesses that can be super, super effective, but the, there's got to be room left for the organic. And I'd say in the last week or so, Bob, we, you and I've had some conversations. We've had conversations with our partners about just what it was for me was kind of a palm to the forehead moment. Yeah. You know, essentially we've been, we've been partners in the business for a couple of years and we essentially went back to the reason why the business was created in the first place. And, and Bob, if you want to get into specifics, jump right in, but I realized that we were in somewhat circling the primary reason why we, why it was a business anyway. And we, I don't know if we were necessarily avoiding it, but we, we weren't, we, we, we kind of just woke up together and said, oh, this is still the business and this is where we should be leaning into with our messaging. And we're going to we're going to rebuild kind of our messaging around this core thing. Yeah, Bob, I get it right. Yeah. I mean, you know, a recent guest we had on uh, Mark McShirley talks about roofing and, and roofing being simple. Right. And there's a there's a level of complexity underneath it. But at its core they're putting a new roof on a house. Right. And yeah. so there, there's, there's little room for like dissertation on it, but yet mm -hmm. Mark Perry Marshall calls it going to the bottom of the swamp. And so everybody knows how roofing is done. And yet here's a guy like Mark who, who goes in and basically redefines what roofing is and how it's done. And so even in the simplest business, like I, I feel ours is quite straightforward, but yet it's very complex under the under the surface. And we're trying to do things that I don't want to say they're difficult, but it, it's certainly the 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 business itself is life changing for the people that we work with. Mm -hmm. And so, what you constantly need to do is you need to be thinking about the the purpose. And, and being really clear about who you, you know, who your who is, right? Mm -hmm. Who are we trying to serve and what are we trying to do? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that you fall into, I think, as a business is you add safeguards by, by creeping that scope outward. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. So one of the mistakes I think we had been making with this project is we were still trying to be a little bit of everything to everybody. And yes. it really kind of muddles the message. Um, there's, I want to say confusion, but there's a lack of clarity by the consumers who come to the site. And then our partners on the other side who are delivering content without knowing really what the focus is, you kind of just create content that maybe fits into a larger mold, but is unclear. Mm -hmm. And I think what we were able to do is we had a really honest, it was intense. It was never confrontational, but we, we essentially, it was kind of like we took a hot piece of metal and we're banging it on an anvil and turning mm -hmm. it into something very, very pure. And it was, it was, again, it was intense. It was tiring, but in the end, I think we all felt invigorated that we, we, we came up with a new focus. So I, I think the lesson that we learned is you, you never really should get comfortable. You should be constantly evaluating whether you're delivering the value you say you're going to do. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, I think what we came up with is, is a new level of clarity. And I think once we reach that point, I think it's going to take the business to a next level. I agree. I completely agree. And I, I appreciate one of our partners talking about that, you know, this site, this business was built about 10 years ago, purely on content. And one point got, you know, thousands and thousands of visitors a month, which it still does. But one of the best questions to ask is this still rel relevant today, you know, yeah. you know, is how we were building years ago, what, how we need to build today. And I think, you know, the answer was no, we've got to shift. Yeah. And, and it wasn't, it wasn't like a, oh, bummer. It was like, yes, this, this it's time for the shift. We can fit, yeah. we feel it amongst five. I was like, oh, this is awesome. And you could feel the enthusiasm, excitement. It's like, finally, you know, we, we've honed in and we can create something that everyone can get on board with and get the energy back in the business and, yeah. and forward. And so don't be afraid of those conversations. And yeah. I, I think there's some parallels to what you and I are talking about to our guests today. So, mm -hmm. you know, the particular business we're talking about serves a pretty big need in the marketplace. And our guest today, Richard Rossi, kind of is like, it's an unusual story because the business that he ended up getting into, it was his first idea. <laughs> and he, he determined who his market was and he put together a mail piece and it happened to work, <laughs> which, which I think there's enough caution in our tale where it's like, this is not normal but it does show you the power of going, there's a need. I know who needs it. And I know how to communicate that I can solve that need. Like if you nail those three things, like it's going to happen for you. And part of it is dialing it in. And we get to hear a lot of great stories from Richard about how this all happens. But it's also interesting, Brandon, because he's he's broadcasting today from his Airstream. I think yes. he's using uh, Elon Musk, Musk's service. <laughs> yes, Starlink or something. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, we'll apologize in advance some, that the audio isn't great, but the con if, you, if you just listen closely, I think you'll be able to pick everything up. But uh, we were just really fortunate to get him while he's on vacation and we didn't really want to reschedule it. So it's a really, really powerful interview. Brandon and I were just taking notes like crazy. So if you're driving right now, if you're on the treadmill, like don't take notes, just enjoy the conversation. But I think you're going to maybe want to listen to it twice and write some things down because there's just some really powerful stories and lessons in these stories. And we can't wait for you to meet uh, our guest today. So without further ado, here's our guest, Richard Rossi.
So awesome. we're going to just start this interview a little bit different. People just kind of walked in on our conversation. Richard's broadcasting, Richard Rossi's our guest today. He's broadcasting live from his Windstream and, or Airstream. 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 And you're outside of Baltimore. Did you say, Richard? Well, at an undisclosed location. Uh, of course, of, of course. We would, right. We're not, we're not going to allow people to pinpoint you. Right, right. We don't want the mobs to come. Demanding but, uh, autographs, right? But but he I've is. Seen, uh, that's happened before. It's ugly. <laughs> we are we are we're recording this in the morning. Richard's having his espresso. Yeah, uh, Bob, me, I got my coffee. Brandon, what do you got? Anything? Got coffee. Good to go here. Coffee. Good. So we're we're just three friends having a coffee this morning yeah. and and sharing some stories about our entrepreneurial journey. So Richard Rossi, you. You introduced yourself to me before I even know who you were. I told this story to Ellie Shuring. Now, so people who have listened to the show know that Ellie and Richard work together. And somehow we got Ellie before Richard. I'm not sure how that worked out. Maybe Ellie's schedule is less packed than yours, Richard. I don't know. But you introduced yourself to my family by sending my oldest daughter uh, a piece of direct mail. You want to kind of enlighten us? The direct mail. Direct What's mail? that? I thought direct mail was dead. Wait a minute. <laughs> this is radical. Well, it is. It's, it, direct mail is absolutely dead. That should be the first headline in <laughs> this broadcast. Everyone listening and watching, never attempt direct mail. It's right. a one-way trip to financial ruin. Exactly. Ignore completely all the catalogs and all the direct mail pieces you get, they right. all fail. Never mind. Never mind. Well, so as far as, as, as your family is concerned, you clearly have a high achieving child in your household. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's, and, that's my way to humble and, brag. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll brag for you. And is it a, is it a boy or girl? It's a, it's a woman now. Now a full fledged woman. Wow. Okay. But back then she was a girl. She was in, yep. in high school. And she came really, really well. And we'd identified her as someone who might be interested in one of our programs for high school students. And the way that we promote those is, yes, it's true, folks, through direct mail. So you probably received a very beautiful package. My specialty is a shock and awe. And it was baronial, which is more of a, a wedding size envelope with some Foil, you never can go wrong slapping some more foil in direct foil. mail package. <laughs> I've been trying to tell Bob foil that for years. Is, Bob, we need more foil on our letters. Bob, whenever you need to increase listen. response, just yeah. hit the foil. Hit, hit more, the foil. Foil, more, more foil, more, more foil. And and that's how we recruit our young people for our programs. We can talk about what those are if you like. But the bottom line is that that's really cool. We mail a lot of pieces out every year. I won't say exactly how many, but hundreds and hundreds of thousands. If you're a high achieving young person, you've not received one of our packages. You should feel completely insulted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, how is she this, doing now? Is she in college? Well, she she attended and graduated from the University of Chicago. She is uh, majored in genetics and she's currently working at a biotech company in Chicago. So she didn't go the medical wow. route, but uh, definitely STEM was, oh, was her thing. Oh, let me just say this. I mean, the, the, she couldn't be better positioned for the future. Biotech is going to be a massive part of that. So she should feel like she has switched on really right at the center of 
what's happening as far as health and medicine and the, and the future of humankind. Well, it's certainly exciting. And, and Brandon, I know you want to lead off with a question that probably mm. will hit some of those topics. Sure. So Richard, we, we just want to start off as tell us what you're excited about. What are you working on? What projects? What's going on in life that you're super excited about? Well, professionally, and it really, as you know, with an entrepreneur, there really aren't hard lines between being personal and professional. But what I've really been very interested and excited about over the last couple of years is is age reversal. Mm. And for all of humankind, that has been simply a, 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 a siren's call, a dream, unachievable, forget it. And anyone that's trying to convince you otherwise or sell you anything in complete charlatan and a fraud. But about five years ago, something just incredibly, incredibly unbelievable happened. And that was the shift occurred as a result of back in 2013, us really identifying the eight different things that cause aging and death. And in so doing, giving us the opportunity to think about how those things can be impacted, reversed, slowed down, et cetera. Up to now, quite recently, aging was never considered abnormal. And Mm. any ailment that affected more than 50% of the population was considered part of the aging process. So therefore, and of course, who can blame anyone for feeling that way? Everyone goes through that. There's nothing you can do about it. So by default, it must be normal. And now we're discovering to our amazement that there really are things you can do about it. When I heard that, it just blew my mind. And I decided that I wanted to become part of this. And I'm doing that in a couple of ways. The first is I've started a mastermind called Da Vinci 50 just for a small group of people who want to study the subject and figure out what to do, who to trust, how to get to the front of the line. Mm. As new technologies and medicine become available. Mm. And then I'm also getting ready to launch the first trade show for the industry. And the industry, age reversal, longevity, regenerative medicine, is already multi-trillion dollar industry and is soon going to become, without question, the most important industry on earth as hmm. it changes every single aspect of life from medical to political to social to religious. It goes on and on. I mean, if you ha- think differently about your lifespan and your ability to live a very, very long time, it's both exciting and it is very scary. Mm. Will I have friends? Will I have money? Will I have purpose? And what happens if I run out of those? Do I even want to still be alive? Mm. So it really raises a lot of very, very profound issues. But it's coming. To some degree, it's already here. And there's going to be about a 15 to 20-year gap between the time that a particular medical intervention is ready for prime time and the time it's actually going to be available at your local doctor's office. Yeah. A lot of that has to do with insurance companies. A lot of it has to do with 
a very, very slow uptake by physicians on anything that involved uh, true change. Some of it is regulatory, some of it is social, some of it's religious. But all of us in our little group feel like we don't want to wait for any of that. We want to have the bell ring as soon as something's available, and then we want to be able to take advantage of it. So it is, a, I think, the most extraordinary time in the history of humanity to be alive for that and for many other reasons. So can I ask, was there an event? Was there something that happened in your life that was going on that got you interested in that specifically? Because you've had a- 100%. All right. The answer is I got older. Ah, well, you're like, Uh, what, 124 right now? You look pretty good. You're like, no. I I think I look fantastic for 124, (laughs) even for 80. (laughs) <laughs> yes, it's it's completely keyed to the aging process. And that's something that's got to change. Because the fact is, the truth is, that these things that cause us to decline begin when we're 35. Mm-hmm. Give, or take, give or take a few years, depending on your genetics. And no one 35 is going to say, well, I need to be be the CEO of my own health. I need to invest a lot of time and energy in making sure that none of these bad things happen to me. Why? Because I feel great. I feel invincible. I'm at the top of the world. Why would I spend time doing that? And that's the thing of it. It's all very, very silent happening uh, in your body until decades later when a variety of things cause it to break out into actual maladies and problems. So, yeah, it's, it's really all part of that process. But if I'm talking to someone under 50, I don't even bring this up because mm. the truth is, unless they're in the industry like your daughter is in biotech or some other way, they're not going to be the least bit interested in hearing mm. what I have to say. Okay. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but it's, I, I just think it's true, right? I mean, we're we're all marketers here, and we know that it's it's really hard to sell prevention, right? But it's really easy to sell cure. Truer words were never spoken. And there you go. We should end the podcast there, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> and we have to sell people what they want to buy, not what we want them to buy. So. There you go. Well, let's let's so let's kind of this is really exciting. We talked a little bit with your colleague Ellie about this, and I think this is something that's going to be. Brandon and I both feel like this is this is something within the next ten years that's going to absolutely take off, and mm-hmm. we're really excited that somebody like you, Richard, is helping shepherd some of this and organize some of the chaos and maybe bring things to the forefront. There's, you know. There's a lot of people that could be in charge of this. We're glad that you're one of the people in the seat and, and helping us do that. So one of the things we would like to well, chat that's about. Not, that's not even my day job. So. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, you, you've got this business. It's the it's it's this event called the Congress, which is, you know, an unusual name, but it, I guess it has some roots in, in your background. So take us back a little bit to how you got to start and put on your own Congress for future medical leaders. What, what kind of went into that and what drove you to that? 
Well, let's let's go way, way back to my 20s. I worked in the United States Senate for nine years for a United States senator while I was putting myself through college. And during that time, he asked me to be in charge of an event that he holds every summer for smart high school kids from the home state, Connecticut in this case. And it was great. We brought this group of really smart constituents to DC. They were all high school students. They all were interested in democracy and leadership. And we just changed their lives in a week. We brought them to see the, the three branches of government. They sat on the floor of the House of Representatives. They did a model Congress. They went and saw the Fourth Estate, which was the press corps. They did a breakfast with the press corps. They did all these different things. And then just as importantly, they got a chance to be among other really smart, motivated young people. And I'm sure we'll get back to that. But that's a big problem these days is that the really, really smart kids often feel very, and we talk about that a little bit, but we'll put up a, just put a, a pin in that for now. So there came a point in my late 20s where I decided to leave the Senate and start my own company. Now, what was that magic moment? When did I decide? How did I decide? Guys, to the best of my recollection, there was no sense of this is the big moment. I'm making the big change. It was more like I saw an opportunity and I thought, what the heck? Let's give it a shot. What's the worst that can happen? I didn't realize at that time that there are relatively few people that would step out into the abyss that way <laughs> and step away from a regular paycheck. To me, it was just the most normal thing in the world and frankly, didn't seem like a big deal at all. The idea was to start a company that could do pretty much the same thing I did for the senator. And I had a business partner, Barbara, who was an educator. And then here's the origin story. We wanted to do our first event surrounding a presidential inauguration. And I had $2,500 and Barbara had $2,500. <laughs> and I'd learned something about direct mail by doing some consulting work for the Republican Senatorial Committee. And the national committees are some of the best direct response marketers in the world. Right. So, yeah. I, learned, so I learned how to do it. And in fact, they had one package that they had recently created to get folks to pay $5,000 a year for an exclusive club within the organization. And I pretty much just knocked that package off, something that I encourage everyone that's watching to do, which is to steal smart. Never steal, but steal ideas, concepts. We all do it, and that's how we grow. And it was one of those seminal moments. I rented a list of high school principals. We said, invite the one best person in your school to attend. There was a BRE, a, a business reply, BRC actually, there's a business reply card inside the package. We mailed it. If it worked, we were good. If it didn't, we were finished. That was <laughs> it. Well, guess what? 
by sheer happenstance, by dumb luck, the first direct response piece we ever sent out to the first list we ever rented worked. And it worked really, really well. And everyone watching should know that's not the norm. That's kind of <laughs> the norm. Right? In, in the world, of, yes. In the world of direct response, you literally fail your way to success. Ooh. That's how it works. That's well, I'm assuming you put a lot of foil on that card, on that campaign before you set it out. I'm assuming foil was your secret weapon based on what you said earlier. It was, a, there was a massive amount of foil. There was, there was a lot of blind embossing. Ooh. Uh, there was hand stamping. Oh my gosh. We even, we even found a, a response address in, and I can't remember the name of the town, but it was something like, you know, high achiever, Ohio, or something incredibly <laughs> relevant like that. And we rented a PO box there so that we could use that as our return address. There was even, there was even like calligraphy oh. on the carrier envelope. Wow. It was really just an incredibly beautiful piece. And back then, there wasn't the massive amount of direct response that there is now. So it definitely was a shock and awe package. And Barbara and I came back from lunch one day and there was this big stack of BRC cards and we just knew instantly, oh my God, this is actually going to work. And that goes back to something that my dear friend Dean Jackson says, mm. which is, you can't hide a winner. Mm. You can't hide a winner. So what happens is as you're testing, as you're doing things and they're not working, when there's something where you actually have created real value, you'll see it. You'll see it right away and you'll go, oh my God, this is working. Because mm. you really can't. You can't hide a winner. And this was a winner in a big way. So the kids came, they had a magnificent experience. And then we evolved that into an organization that grew over the years from a couple of thousand kids a year to when we sold that company, Vision EMI, over 50,000 young people a year attending live events throughout the world, young people who were in high school and college and junior high, even in the fifth and sixth grade. So it became, over the years, a big little company and mm. i have i have a some regrets regarding it how we grew that company which we can talk if you like but at the end of the day it changed the lives of many hundreds of thousands of young people and still does i mean the, the business was purchased it was then resold and it's still you know still out there doing its thing Hey, listeners, we hope you're enjoying this conversation with Richard Rossi. Richard is involved in two really, really exciting projects. The first uh, that you've heard about is uh, the Congress of Future Medical Leaders, and that's uh, futuredocs.com. If you are the parent of a 
exceptional high school student, bridge student with, with maybe some thoughts about entering the medical profession or really in STEM, uh, you want to check out futuredocs.com. Richard and his team put on the premier event for future medical leaders. So check that out. But also, Richard, you'll, you'll hear him talk about getting involved in the anti-aging or the age reversal industry. And he's uh, started a mastermind. It's called the DaVinci50.com. And he is putting together a trade show and he is putting together, I guess, a group of leaders that are going to help usher this industry forward and, and make this something that's a part of normal medical thinking and normal medical processes, hopefully in the next 10 or 20 years. So check that out at DaVinci50.com. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now, back to your hosts, Bob Rickneris and Brandon Boyd. Do you have a favorite story, Richard? You mentioned how it's changed the life of students. Do you, have, do you have a favorite story about any particular students that it was perhaps validating for you or confirmed that you're, you were doing the right thing, that, that something very satisfied happened within you? Any, any good stories around that? I'll give you two stories, one about the, the company and the other about the students. I'll start with the students. When we started these programs, and these young people came to Washington, certain things became immediately clear. The first was that these young people were different. They were different because of their level of passion and commitment. And it was born, not bred. It was bred to some degree in the, you know, no one does these things alone. It takes a village. And certainly people say to me, Richard, what are the, traits that you find in common with these super high achieving young people. And honestly, I've only found two. The first is that they all, for the most part, are voracious readers. I don't know why, but they are. And the second is that they all have someone in their life who is rooting for them. Maybe it's a parent, maybe it's someone else, but they've got someone who's got their back. That's not always the case, but it's usually the case. And these young people when they came to D.C., they felt validated because in their hometown, they sometimes were the smartest kid. Their parents didn't understand them. Their teachers were holding them back. You got to teach to the lowest common denominator. Mm. And their friends thought they were weird. But here you come into a program where everybody thinks you're cool. Everybody likes the things you like. Everyone's as smart as you are. And it's magical. And it's scary because you realize you're really not the smartest kid, right? So that's yeah. a very important thing to discover. But as soon as we started doing our programs and we saw the impact that we were having on these young people, we got calls from parents when they came back and parents were saying, what did you do to my child? And other really validating things of that nature, we knew that we had something big we could grow. The story about the business itself that I always like to tell is, as in the life of every company, there are ups and downs and challenges. And there are these, these dare to be great moments, dare to be great moments where if you don't persevere, you will sit down and die. 
Hmm. And when you, I love reading the stories of building businesses. And I, I just, in each of those books, there's a moment in the entrepreneur's life where he or she, where something happens. And if I didn't know the outcome, I would say, well, that's it. They're finished. There's no way out of it. And I remember one in specific, um, AOL, the, the story of the, the growth of that company. And Steve Case, who's the founder, when the company was, was functioning, working, growing, he was on a cruise for the, for the industry. And who was on the cruise? Bill Gates, <laughs> who was already very, very, very successful. And Gates came up and congratulated him on his success and said, I'm going to buy you or I'm going to destroy you. Take your, <laughs> take your I love it. And, you know, that's kind of sobering, right? Because uh, yeah. he could have done either. Yeah. <laughs> and and they decided to, to not sell and they still succeeded. And we had our moment where we completely ran out of cash and we weren't able to make payroll the next week. And as you know, in a business, a business never dies because of profit or loss. A business dies when it runs out of cash. When you're yes. out of cash, you close the door, you're finished. But in fact, our company went years without turning a profit. And it didn't matter because we were always growing. We were always getting all our cash up front. So our cash flow was excellent at all times. Anyway, we went to the bank and we said, we have to get a loan for $250,000. And at that time, as a little tiny bank, we met the president and he said, nope, nope, can't do that. Can't do that. You've got no credit. You've got no collateral. You've got a very short history. There's absolutely nothing here that would justify a loan. And my business partner, Barbara, who was really super aggressive, um, she basically said, you know what? We are not leaving this office without that loan. Hmm. Okay. And, and we went back and forth for a while. And the president was so impressed just with that chutzpah that at last he said, you know, I'll loan you the money on your smile, oh. on your smile. And he, that's something that couldn't really happen today because of all the regulations and audits that take place in the bank. But back, back then there was a little more flexibility. And we are now 30 years later and we still do business with the outgrowth of that bank. We've never not been loyal to them because of that moment. We paid that loan back and they've made millions on the business that we've done with them since that time. So it's, a, it's really a lesson about selectively taking the right chances and the good things that can come from that. Well, that definitely triggers a lot of memories, <laughs> having mm. closed a business and laying off my co-host and <laughs> having to go to a bank and hear them. They didn't accept my terms. I tried to smile, Richard. They wouldn't give me money still. <laughs> no, so no terms for you. I should have I brought somebody like Barbara in, but I, 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 Brandon and I like 
we like hanging out with entrepreneurs that that have scabs and scars. No true entrepreneur, at least at least ones that we've met, if they don't have these war stories, they're really not interesting, <laughs> and they're really not trustworthy because you don't really know what they're like when the pressure's on. You yeah. don't know what they're like when the chips are on the table. And they have this moment, right? The dare to be great moment. I really love how you put that. I like being friends. I like being colleagues with people that have stared into the eye of the beast mm. <laughs> and yeah. survived and, and survived to talk about it. That, that to me is just is what makes us as entrepreneurs unique and authentic. And it's, it's what endears me to other entrepreneurs is those stories of of daring to be great and surviving that moment. And it would be very hard to find a successful entrepreneur who's been successful over a period of years who has not faced existential crisis, Mm. has not faced that moment where by all rights, and it's one of the things that I tell the young people in our program is that the key to success is consistency of action. Do the right thing, but do it consistently and never, ever, ever give up. And it sounds so trite and so corny, and it's the whole thing. Because Mm. nine times out of 10, the people who fail simply sit down to rest and never stand up again. Hmm. That's the truth. And the ones that have pig-headed determination, pig-headed determination, and will simply not accept defeat, more often than not, succeed. Hmm. So Richard, going back to that that time where, where you and Barbara collectively put your $2,500 together. So let's... What, what I'm struck by, number one, is that it seemed to me that you first were thinking of, we'll call it the product, for lack of a better term. You, you were thinking about, hey, I had this really great experience. I bet we could replicate that in a, in a, in a unique way. A lot of people will start a venture because of the dollars. I, I, I'm sure you were thinking of profiting from this opportunity, but... Can you talk a little bit about the mindset you and Barbara had in terms of surrounding the idea and believing the idea to help set the foundation? Absolutely. And I just want to say up front that I take a a little different view than many do. Many say, look, just forget about the money. Just get out there and create value in the world and money will come. You need to be passionate about what it is that you create. and and. I think that's true, but I also think there's nothing wrong with wanting to make money. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be rewarded for that success. There's nothing wrong with making, establishing making money as equally important to the passion that drives you. So I'm not in the forget about the money category. Mm -hmm. I'm in the Money is good. Money is an unbelievable tool. Money creates security. Money makes the world go round. And if you can start something that fulfills a passion, 
or desire or a perceived need and also makes you money, pick that one because <laughs> having money is a hell of a lot better than not having money. And honestly, what we got into, we got into, I don't want to say by accident, but let's face it, guys. The first idea, the first direct mail package, the first list, everything working. That, that is just, that's like winning the lottery. It's yeah. so unusual. Doing it with zero dollars, neither of us having a background business, neither of us having a background in direct response, neither of us knowing really what the hell we were doing. And that's one of my regrets in the business is not realizing earlier that we really needed to figure out how to copy successful people. In other words, our growth was for far too long incremental and for far too short a period of time, a result of planning, goal setting, and all the things that a really successful entrepreneur does to grow their business. So if I had to do it all over again, I would get into that coaching. I would get into that mentorship. I would get into all of that much earlier and not have the hubris of thinking that, well, we don't need it, which is how we felt for a long time. And it was completely wrong. Meaning that you, so like you hit on, you hit on a market that was, you know, Gary Halbert calls it a starving market, right? You, you hit on something that it was an unfulfilled need in the marketplace. You, you got the right list, right? You, you, you somehow figured, oh, well, we'll tap the principles. You didn't go right to the students. You went to the principles and then you put together a mail piece that was attractive enough that the principals would open it and respond to it. I mean, those, that's literally like to get those three things, right. You're right. The odds are astronomical that you would get that right, mm -hmm. right out of the mm -hmm. gate, <laughs> because that's yeah. what most people, they struggle with those three things. Right. So I, I'm hearing that, that while it was great and you kind of took off from there, but it did it also, it sounds like it kind of hamstrung you later on because you had that su success out of the gate. Let's just say again that no one should ever feel like, oh, I'm successful. I don't need to hear from other people. I know it all. <clears throat> and we had that sense for a while. And Barbara and I would sit down at the end of the year and say, well, what do you think we can do next year? Well, I think we could do a little more. We could do this. We could do that. And then we would try and implement that. So <clears throat> when you think about it, Everything was incremental. Nothing was really planned. We didn't have really goals. We just looked at things. Here's the analogy I use. If you're driving along at night in the fog with your headlights on, you can only see a very short distance. Mm. But you know what? You can take the whole trip that way. Mm. And that's what we were doing. And then we fell into this program run by a guy named Dan Sullivan called Strategic Coach. Yep. 
And we learned about goal setting. We learned about how to actually envision a much bigger future and plan how to get there. And that was really the turning point of the business. That's when we started to really take off because we not only had a path and a plan and a set of tools, but we also had mentorship and community with other like-minded entrepreneurs. So that was a big moment for us in the company. Hey, everybody. Hope you're enjoying today's conversation with Richard. You know, businesses like Richard's are the types of businesses that Feed Stories are interested in amplifying. Clearly, he's trying to make a, a great dent in the world with what he's doing with his students, future docs. Um, what a powerful effort. And we certainly resonate on the fact that something with education needs to shift, needs to change, and that's already happening. So in Feed Stories, we love these types of businesses and we love these types of missions because video is the perfect media to amplify that as long as it's structured properly and it's resonating with your target audience. So we wanna encourage everyone here, if you've thought about doing video, if you've thought about it, maybe you're a little afraid of it, maybe you're not sure how it will work in your business, we wanna encourage you to go to feedstories.com and book a call with Bob and I. And we can kind of walk through what's going on in your business, what you're looking to do and see if there's a good fit. Let's get back to our interview. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now, back to your hosts, Bob Rickneris and Brendan Boyd. I wanted to circle back early in the conversation, Richard. You, you mentioned that your your market, these, these exceptional young people, felt or feel alone. And it, it's something that... I don't know if you know, I'm, I'm a high school basketball coach. I mean, I run several companies, but in the winter, I coach 15-year-old boys. I'm a high school sophomore coach. And one of the oh, things that I've hard. noticed, I've done, I've, I've coached for 36 years. I've coached high school for 20 years. One thing I've noticed in the last couple of decades is that despite the fact that we're more connected, we're, we're more, you know, information, like everything is faster kids feel more isolated. They feel more alone. They feel, you know, they, they're, they're far less able to communicate. There, there's a lot of things that seem to be happening to our youth to me is, is, is alarming and why I continue to coach. Cause I want to try to help these people through. So talk about kind of what you're seeing and maybe is, is there anything that you've kind of come up with that you think could help us help this generation and help future generations kind of overcome some of these obstacles? <clears throat> Absolutely. I think it's true. There's this acronym VUCA, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And that's really the world we live in. And that causes anxiety and confusion. If you look at the world a hundred years ago, a young person's path was much more clear. They, they would, and if I said, if, if my child a hundred years ago said to me, dad, what's my future going to look like? <clears throat> I would say, well, a lot of great things, so I'm not sure, but it's kind of going to be like this. And I would probably be right now if, my child comes up to me and says, dad, what's my future going to look like? The only honest answer is I have no idea. Mm. The thing that you want to do may not even exist by the mm. time you become an adult. And I cannot tell you with, that there's going to be any certainty 
about anything. But I can tell you, and this is where the opportunity for you as a coach comes in, that there are principles of success, principles of building and maintaining self-confidence that never change and are never taught in school. Mm. We know what all of those things are, right? Confidence building, goal setting, time management, speaking and listening skills, gratitude. I could go on and on. But those are the things that never change and are always going to be your most important tools to whatever the future brings. So if you're living a life of never-ending gratitude, if you're living a life where you are always building these success tools, in addition to whatever specialized skills you're developing, you'll be able to handle whatever comes. And the sad part is we're graduating students who, first of all, don't have any of those skills. Secondly, unlike 100 years ago, we're graduating students and then putting them into a a world where they don't actually grow up. They are tethered to their parents by their texts and and their ability to get their parents to like cover for them at moments of insecurity, moments where they may fail, et cetera, et cetera. And we all know this is true. Yeah. We and I see this all the time. In our programs when we began, kids would come, they'd spend the week, maybe some of them would call home at night. Now our conference directors, the kids will walk up and hand them the phone and say, My mom wants to talk to you. Mm. In yeah. real time, in the yeah. middle of an event. And so what's happened is that the, the not allowing their kids to grow wings and fly. And the result of that, I think, is very, very damaging. And I remember when my kids were in high school, because I don't, don't feel, think that like my wife and I are the exception to this rule. You know, we're guilty of that, too. I remember when my kids were in high school, there was a certain point where I said to them, let me ask you a question. Where do I get the concierge services that are offered to you every day in this house? Where do I go for that? Where do I go to live in a world where I never have to think about where anything is because I know one of my parents will know where it is and get it for me. Because honestly, if you don't have to do any of those things, I know I wouldn't. I bet you two guys wouldn't. Uh, I, if I could just pick up and, and say, you know, whatever it is I need, I want, I'm worried about, and then it just all gets solved for me, where would my impetus be to not just do that? So as a coach, I think to the degree that you can imbue in your kids that you coach those leadership skills. And let's be clear, above and beyond anything else, the most important leadership skill is dealing with failure mm, because wow. the fear of failure is underneath every other fear. If you don't have any confidence, it's fear of failure. If you're depressed, 
is a big aspect. You know, setting aside, obviously, the chemical problems, there's, there's a fear there. It's all about dealing with fear, right? And if we learn to do that, then we have the resilience to handle almost anything else. I love that. I was watching a video the other day, just on you know, the opposite of, it was just talking about polarities, the opposite of love. It used to be hate. It's really not the opposite of love is fear and hate is down the road from fear and how insidious it is, how it hobbles humans. So I love that. Uh, I resonate with that completely. So Richard, opposite like- of love is, is the opposite of love is, is to be really just not care. Right. Mm, not hate. Love and hate. Love and hate are are pretty closely aligned. Yeah. It's it's when the person just could care less. Mm. That's really the opposite of love. So as we're as we're rounding that up the hour, what we like what part of our interview we like to do is and this is where we kind of learn a little bit more about you and, and your personality, but we like to call it the 60 second soapbox or rant, where you get to rant about anything from Food, business, so anything that gets under your skin could be funny, could be... Ellie Ellie chose to rant about the fact that she couldn't get a driver's license when she wanted one. <laughs> that that was her the rant. DMV, so yeah. The D, she ranted about the DMV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, get, we have to hear that story. Right, right. So Richard, anything, any soapbox, any rant, go. I'm going to just pick to, to riff off of what I discussed before, and that is that I think students that are coming out of our schools these days are considerably less equipped to handle an unknown future than students in the past who had a more knowable future, a more knowable path. And my big rant is, I hate to say this, it's not the teachers. It's really like the teacher unions the principals, the people that are bureaucrats, petty bureaucrats, and don't want anything to change. Mm-hmm. They just want to get through their obligation and get their pension and get out. And I could tell you story after story after story that supports this. I think teachers are underpaid, underland in no way appreciated the way they should be in this country. They work so hard Completely and agree. they get paid so little and yeah. they are sometimes in school during their time off or on vacation, getting work done that they can't get done during school. It's not the teachers. It's really the unions, the petty bureaucrats. They're not thinking of the kids. They're thinking of themselves and if I could make one change, it would be for everyone who's in charge of the future of our world, which is our, our young people, to be 100% committed to them first. Well said. Lovely. Lovely. Well said. Well, Richard, you, you're, you're a great human. I've, I've heard you speak a number of times where I've, I've been lurking in the background. I just, I, you have this humble wisdom about you and a very caring spirit. So we just appreciate you sharing that with us and our audience today. We would like to allow people a chance to learn more about what you're doing. So if you could talk first about the Congress where people could go and then the Da Vinci 50, that people are interested in either of those things. Absolutely. 
So for the Congress, it's future docs, future D-O-C-S, future docs, like doctors, futuredocs.com. And then for Da Vinci, it's simply the Da Vinci 50.com. And my email is richardrossi at gmail.com. And anyone who'd like to reach out to me, feel free to do so. And it's interesting. I've been on a number of podcasts, a number of hosts say, oh, my God, do you really want to do that, Richard? You're going to be flooded with email. I'm never flooded with email. <laughs> the fact is, the number of people. And then, by the way, anyone that does write to me, let me tell you what I do. I immediately say, gosh, you know, I'm really busy this week. If you would just write back to me next Monday, we can, we can totally connect. 1% actually write back. It's just absolutely incredibly shocking how few people are willing to. And by the way, that goes for the kids too. If Because I do live events and kids come up to me and say, can I talk to you? I have this idea. I need a reference. Da, 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 da. I'm desperate. I'm like, oh my God, of course. But listen, you know, there's a big line here. If you just, here's my personal email. If you just email me next Monday, we'll set something up. I don't hear from anybody. So it's just like, if you want to clear the decks, just put one obstacle to someone achieving their goal <laughs> and 90% of them will give up. But yes, it's Richard Ross, for you, the few, the proud, it's richardrossi.gmail.com. And put some foil on that email if you really want to get to the top of the Slap line. it on. Slap with some foil on it. With an embossed seal <laughs> right. and some, some calligraphy. calligraphy. Heck yeah. Remember, Remember, it's not what it costs, it's what it makes you. <laughs> oh, there you go. One final wisdom bomb from Richard Ross. Well, Kaboom. Richard, we'll let you get back to your leisure time. Enjoy being out there in the Airstream with your family. And thank you for just take, carving out an hour to chat with us today. It was truly our pleasure. Thank you, Richard. My, my pleasure. Take care, guys. All right. Thank you for listening to The Innovative Founder with Bob Regnerus and Brandon Boyd, a show featuring the real stories of entrepreneurs making their beautiful dent in the world. If you like the show, let us know by leaving a rating. If you're an innovative business founder yourself with a story to tell, then you might just be our next guest. Reach out to us on InnovativeFounder.com and tell us your story. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on The Innovative Founder.